So it's my birthday. Sometimes I don't know it's your birthday. You kind of um, remember things, you know, and um, go on a uh, nostalgia trip. And so yesterday I was doing that, especially when I found out my sister called me uh, and uh, wanted me to call her back. I didn't get the call, but I called her back. And my sister is special, just like all of your brothers and sisters are. And uh, if they are kind of uh, mean or to you, just love them and forgive them. And uh, God will bring them around. But my sister was sweet. Uh, I was a rascal for a few years. And that's being nice and gentle. Uh, But I was a rascal, a real rascal. And she uh, was the one family member that never gave up on me. The rest of them, as a matter of fact, I've told this before, but... I, my name was not permitted to be mentioned when they got together for a reunion because I was such a rascal. <laughs> and uh, anyway, <clears throat> she wouldn't. She was the one that always believed in me, and then there was a reason for that because uh, when I was in the third grade, around the end of my third grade uh, time, I lived in Abilene, Texas. And uh, Abilene, if you know it, has a, uh, a Christian college in Abilene uh, and another, Christ- another college as well. And a, uh, an Air Force base was there. So it was not a, Abilene's not a small town. I, I, I'm sure you may have heard of it. And, um, <clears throat> but I lived in Abilene. We didn't even, they didn't even sell liquor it was called a dry town. It's a dry city. We wouldn't even sell liquor in that town. You had to drive out of town to get a, get some alcohol. And so, um, into my third grade, and my sister uh, started going to church at uh, Trinity Baptist Church in Abilene, Texas. And the pastor's there, last name was Wilson, but in, you know, in Southern Baptist churches, and maybe up here as well, you'd call him Brother Wilson, you know. Everybody called Brother so-and-so, Brother Sister so-and-so, and uh, whatever their names was. And so uh, she, uh, she said, she t- started taking me to church, and then she took me in to Brother Wilson's office. And... Uh, I want you to know something. I was not a very sharp, you know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed or whatever, however they say it. I I was a little, I was terrible in school. I, I, you know, I struggled to get above passing and uh, many times didn't and they just gave it to me, you know. And so I wasn't all that uh, swift. I went to remedial reading because I couldn't, I couldn't understand anything I read. I, it was just like mouthing it or whatever. So I was not very sharp and not very smart. And so he take, she takes me in there and he lays out the plan of salvation. And of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And told about how Jesus died on the cross for me. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that he bore my sins on the cross. And then he's been raised from the dead. And I understood everything he said as clear as a bell. I mean, not just what he was saying, but what it meant. And then he said, do you want to pray and receive Christ as your Lord and your Savior? And I said, yes. Uh, And I prayed and received Christ. Now, we were poor at that time. And uh, we lived in a, a two-bedroom home, and my sister and I lived in the same room in twin beds apart from each other. And I just remember that, that night how we both talked about salvation, and she talked to me about the meaning of it, and how I told her, I feel like I'm a brand-new person, you know. 
And uh, uh, that was before I was heard that you were a new creation in Christ. Uh, so anyway, I, I uh, wanted to remind her of the things when I called her back. I wanted to tell her how much uh, I loved her and what she means to me. And that if it hadn't have been for her, now I know the Lord is in doing all of it. Okay, I got it. Please don't come up here and let me know this. Uh, matter of fact, I got a poem to read that uh, says just as much. Okay, that the Lord, Lord is the one. And uh, but uh, in let's just say in the natural, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for my sister. She led me to Jesus. She led me to talk to uh, Brother Wilson, and she led me uh, into the Lord. And we went to church together uh, until I was, it was late in the fifth grade, and then she got married. And uh, that was the end of my church-going days, except on, you know, Easter Sunday, you know. So, uh, I was, I was going to share that with her. And I did, and so she shares her testimony with me. First time I ever heard it in my whole life. I never heard her testimony. And I realized that, that uh, some, some, the Bible talks about in Proverbs how men are deep wells. That we are deep wells. Sometimes, and that to, to, uh, to get out wisdom or out of a person, you have to go down really deep with your bucket and, and kind of pull it out of them, you know, pull it out. Of them. And so I said, uh, I, I told her how much I appreciated her. And so she shares her testimony and she says this. She says uh, there, there was she was at a meeting at church. She had been going to church. She was going there because somebody had invited her and she came. And then they were in a meeting. I don't know if it was a church. It was a church meeting. But it, I don't know if it was like a Wednesday or a Sunday, but they were sitting around in a circle sharing. And Brother Wilson says to my sister, my sister's name is Sharon. And she said, he said, Sharon, have you ever prayed and received Christ as your Lord and your Savior? And she said, no. And he said, would you like to do that right now? And she said, Yes. And so he gave her the plan of salvation, uh, and pretty much like uh, one of the one of the creeds, Jesus was born of a virgin from God by the Holy Spirit, and that he came, he came and died for him. the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, reading about it in First Corinthians fifteen, it'll give you a good idea. There's, the gospel is the good news. Okay, and so anyway, she says. Yes. And he says, well, then Sunday, I want you to come up front when I when I call you and test testify, because there's a verse of scripture says, Jesus says, if you won't proclaim me before men, I won't proclaim you before my father. Whoa. And so it's important to tell somebody, you know, uh, it's it's like that uh, um, Don Francisco song. I got to tell somebody, you know, I got to tell somebody, I got to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. And so uh, she goes to church with that in mind. And that Sunday, uh, Brother Wilson, this is before me, see, this is before I started coming, preached uh, a salvation message, which frequently they did in Baptist churches, the, the gospel, you know, they preached the gospel, which is a get saved service. And so he preached and he started talking about what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. And he went in and shared that. And she just got convicted of her sins. Now, she had prayed a couple of days before, but this time she just got very convicted of her sins. And when he gave the invitation to come up, she came up uh, thinking that that was the time to come up anyways. But she came up and she prayed again. And she says, you know, I think that was the day I got saved. Because I didn't, when I prayed before, I meant it and everything, but it just 
solidified that day because uh, I was just, I got a picture of the sacrifice of Christ for me. And uh, he paid our ransom. We, we were held hostage by Satan, and he demanded a ransom. And uh, God says, well, what, what do you want? And he says, I want your life for theirs. And, and that was paid for us. And so uh, she went up and she uh, proclaimed Christ before everyone as well. And she's been a believer ever since. Now, my sister's about five years older than I am. And um, so um, she's um, has Alzheimer's uh, stages of Alzheimer's. She's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's as many as 10 years ago. And uh, I, I come from a family that nearly all my my. My uh, father had se- seven brothers and one sister, uh, six brothers and one sister in his family. And my, uh, my mother had nine children in her family. And every single one of them, uh, including my father and my mother, died from dementia diseases, you know, or died with dementia diseases. And, you know, it's, it's a rough thing to go through. And... Uh, so my sister's been diagnosed before I was, uh, when I was younger than I am now. At, in other words, she was pat, pat, way younger than I am now when she was diagnosed as having Alzheimer's. So I pray and think about that and say, I don't want that, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, uh, I claim, you know, that I'm not going to go that way. And, uh, it's an interesting thing because since I got saved, I fell in love with the Word of God at that point. Now I fell away because I stopped going to church. And, you know, uh, you may have heard uh, this through Isaiah that says, Isaiah 28, I believe it is, where line upon line, precept upon precept, from glory to glory, here a little, there a little, line upon line, Precept upon precept. And, you know, it's interesting because he's talking about backsliding there. And it's like a little bit. It's baby steps. And you just start going a little bit, a little bit. And it's the same either frontwards or backwards. Same thing. It's a little bit. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. And the next thing you know, if you're going backwards, you'll really, really go backwards. It's called sliding, you know, backsliding. And it's the same thing. If you're growing in the Lord, line upon line, precept upon precept, a little bit here, a little bit there, from glory to glory, we are changed into the same image as Jesus Christ. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. And so it's like uh, the same thing. If you're not growing, there's no such thing as staying still. No, you're either going to grow or you're going to go back backwards. Right? Well, uh, I backslid, but Lord brought me back. But when I got saved, uh, I was I didn't do well in school after that. But I tell you what, I, 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 I the Word of God I could I could pick I could understand and and get. And when I rededicated my life to the Lord, the Word became so important to me. It was my life. It's my life and my salvation. So, amen. I just want to tell you about that. We are going to look at, in a minute, you can get ready to put Matthew 21. We're going to start with the first verse in a minute. But before we do, I want to, t- I want to tell you a little bit more about purpose. So let's pray. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come before you, Heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, uh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, uh, We worship you and praise you. Thank you. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Today, now, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, just a little reminder, there's a plan that's in the making that we're going to have a special Palm Sunday meeting at 6 o'clock, and that will be on Palm Sunday, uh, the week before Easter, and you will be getting more information about where that's going to be, but it's going to involve multiple churches. And uh, we, we thought we had a place lined up, and it fell through. And so we're looking for another place, and we think we're going to have that place. But we'll let you know for sure when it is. It's Palm Sunday, 6 o'clock, the week, the Sunday before the week before the Christmas. And that's interesting because... Oh. That's um, Hallelujah. Only reason I'm pausing on that is I'm like just talked about Alzheimer's in there. <laughs> there I go. <laughs> what was I talking about now? <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. So, anyway, Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday is the week before. And this is what Matthew 21 and 22 is about. It's about Palm Sunday and the day after, because he goes into the temple twice. Uh, Palm Sunday's the beginning, and then the day after. And Palm Sunday, something incredible is happening uh, in Christ's uh, life for us because you, what you have is this revelation we're going to be looking for it as we go that Jesus is still reaching out to the people he came for the Jews he says he came he says uh, well, the, uh, Pastor Norm and I talk a lot Pastor Norm Moran and uh, He's always saying this, and finally I just got uh, tired of hearing it to the point where I said, all right, I'm going to ask him, what is he talking about? Because he would say this one thing that I didn't want to let on, that I didn't know what he was talking about. You know how you ever do that? You know, pretend, you, oh yeah, that's it, you're right, yeah. What is he talking about? <laughs> and it, I did, I had an inkling of what he was talking about, but it just... Why did he keep bringing this up? You know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, because it's not that, and it has to do how when Jesus came, he came and started teaching kingdom teaching. Remember in Matthew, after he got uh, uh, the 40 days and 40 nights in chapter 4 of facing the devil, he left there and he goes out and keeps preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is with you. The kingdom of God is within you. And he starts preaching about the kingdom of God. And I, I'm like, why is he always pointing that out to me? You know? And uh, I thought, well, all right, I'm going to ask him. And I did last night. We, we talk. We're night people. And I, I, love, I love the night. Um, not like the metaphor, loving the night. Uh, um, <laughs> It says uh, they love darkness more than they did day. And uh, I, I just love this solitude. But I call him, and I call him about 1 o'clock in the morning. And, and believe me, I, I, he totally has given me permission to do that. As a matter of fact, he likes it when I do, because he's up. And he says he doesn't usually ever go to sleep till 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, and sometimes 3 and 4. That sounds familiar to me. And so I called him and I uh, wanted to ask him, I says, what is this thing? Why do you keep bringing this up about the, in the days of Jesus Christ? Well, you know, that's kingdom teaching, you know. And I said, are you saying that when Jesus taught this, it doesn't apply to us because this is church? No, 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 not that at all. It's just that he was giving the kingdom teaching to the Jews because the Messiah came to preach the kingdom of God to the people of God first. First, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things that were made were made by Him. 
and litter other places by him, for him, through him, and in him. And it says that, uh, and the word was made flesh later on. It says, and it says, and he came unto his own. That was the Jewish people. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. You see? And so that's what he does in his life when he's preaching. If you remember the Syrophoenician woman who came to Jesus and she said, uh, 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 I, I may have my names mixed up, but she came and said, my daughter's at home sick. Would, would, you, would you heal her? And he says, I, he says uh, I didn't come. I come for the people of God, not the dogs. I mean, he called her a dog. I'm like, whoa. You know, I, I heard a preacher once, big, big guy, you know, and he was a really great preacher. And he says, if I went to Jesus and he called me a dog, he was, he would be, he was about to find out what part of my life wasn't sanctified yet. <laughs> wasn't set apart for God. He says, I don't know if I can handle that. But she says, even the dogs get the crumbs under the master's table. He goes, wow. And that was another one like the centurion. I've never seen faith like this in Israel. Why is there not faith like this? But he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And right here in Matthew 21, he's coming to his own. But there's a problem here because his own has not, his own had not received him. And so there is a, a thing going on in this, cha- in these chapters where he is, uh, reaching out to them one last time. One last time. Because if they don't accept him, if they don't receive him, he's going to the Gentiles. So you also have the revelation and what's happening here at this point in time of him coming to the Gentiles. And it, it, it's, it's kind of strange because I'm reaching out to you, but I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And somehow, sometimes they see it and they don't like it. You know, how dare you go to the Gentiles? So anyway, this is happening there. And so when he says it's kingdom teaching, it means that it was for the Jews, and he said, but it, everything Jesus said is re- related to us today as the church as well. But it's just the point that this is going on here. And so what I've talked about a lot is the word purpose. And this is an amazing word because there's a difference between God's purpose for your life and his own purpose than you just saying, I, uh, I want this, this is my dream, I want this, and Lord, I do it for you, and this is my purpose. Now, purpose is such a powerful word in the, in the, uh, the natural that people, it can, it, it can affect their entire life. You know, like if you have a purpose that you want to go to the Olympics in athletics, or if you want to be the Heisman Trophy, if you want to, if you want to be the best at anything, you have a purpose. It's so powerful that it can control everything that you do. But see, this is God's purpose for your life. And God's purpose for your life is so powerful that it goes from before the world began to eternity future. And what we do in this lifetime is it going to be, be wood, hay, hay, and stubble? And it's going to be burned up. In our lifetimes, even if you live to be the oldest person in the world, even back in, in the day when they were living seven or eight hundred years, you know, it's just like a blink of the eye and you're gone. It's like the grass of the field which grows up and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. And unless it's like the, the poem, uh, we have but one life to live, uh, and what's done for Christ is the only thing that will last. It's, that's not how it goes, but that's the, the meaning of the point. And so God's purpose is an eternal purpose, eternal, eternal past, eternal future, and it should 
have a more dynamic effect on you than any other human person purpose could be. See, a person who has uh, a person, a, a person who has a purpose to go to uh, the Olympics uh, will die to self in their training and their eating and their everything that can go to be with it, but they won't die for it. But the purpose of God is you're willing to die for it. You're willing to lay your life down for the purpose of God. And so the purpose of God, and I've told you this, it's the Greek word prothesis, which is important because that's the same word that's translated in the New Testament, showbread. It is the same word that when the Old Testament was translated into the Greek, it was the showbread of the Old Testament. And the showbread was eaten in the temple and when it, when it was, uh, it would be set up every week and sit there for a week, uh, covered up the bread and then the priest would eat it on the, on the Sabbath. And the showbread was also called, uh, it was the, the table that it was on was the table of the showbread. And it was also known to be the table of the face. And the po- thing is, is that the priest, and only the priest would eat this showbread, and it was the priest symbolically seeing and eating the, eating God, the face of God, the bread of life. That's why Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the showbread. I, and, and that was because when they partook of this bread, it was the priest having the Symbolic meaning and opportunity to visit with God face to face. Symbolically. Right? And it goes back when Moses first went up the mountain. Now, last week I shared some of this. And uh, I'll share it again because it's very important. So important. Uh, it's, it's just, I can't tell you how important it is. I'm not able to do it. It is... Uh, I. It's like the Psalm 139. Uh, this knowledge is too wonderful for me. I cannot uh, attain unto it. You know, it is high. I cannot attain unto it. And I can't, but I can, I can try. And so I, I preached the sermon last week, and uh, Amy was downstairs. My daughter Amy, by the way, they're gone to Florida. Uh, all of them, all the crops, the Amy and Dennis, not all the crops, but Amy and Dennis, and uh, the three kids going to, going to Florida. Um, and that upsets me, so I won't talk anymore about it. Speaking of Florida, I talked with my son yesterday, too, which we talked a long time, you know, reminiscing and everything. And uh, my granddaughter, who goes to Ohio uh, State University in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, she's going to be participating uh, for the college because she's a college cheerleader in the cheerleading contest in Daytona Beach on April 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So I'd really love to be there, but it's not easy to get places that you want to get, you know, whatever. Anyway, um, just throw that in there. It's kind of like the, the person says, you know, before I go on with my talk, I just want to tell you about my my grandson. I'm so proud of him. Uh, uh, he graduates from high school, and he was uh, top of his class, and he was uh, um, the tra- captain of the track team, and he was, you know, the, the, the valedictorian. And uh, he was... Oh, and by the way, did I tell you he was homeschooled? Uh, Yeah, top of his class. <laughs> Captain of the track team. <laughs> of one. Of one. Get it? Of one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is a professor of math right here. Right here. <laughs> He's looking. Adam's looking. What are you talking about? <laughs> math professor up at Zuko. <laughs> I, I love Adam. I tell you, uh, 
That's great. So, the word purpose. Amy preached when she, Sunday night. I wish all of you could have been there. Because it was like, wow. It was like we just got our two sermons together. She had no idea what I was preaching Sunday morning. Because she's going through talking about Moses. And then she goes into this thing talking about Moses. And it was like, Oh, man, would I like to have her preached her sermon before I preached mine, but it fit together probably better than any two sermons I've ever heard in my whole life fit together. And she was talking about Moses when he goes up into the mountains to uh, get the Ten Commandments. Now, before that, this is something I didn't share last time, but she goes into it. The people were invited to talk to God. Remember last week I told there's one place where he says he talked to God face to face, but in another place he wasn't even allowed to see the face of God. So, but they were allowed to talk to God and they said, no, we don't want to go. We don't want, you go, you represent us. You go up there, you know. And when he goes, they're like, well, that's the last we've seen of him. Because when he gets in the presence of God, he's a dead duck. That's why they ended up making the golden calf to worship and all that stuff. And it was like in the beginning that people were invited to come to God. And that's what he wanted. God wanted the people to come to him. And they said, no. And so just Moses. And then Moses comes back. And God says, puts him in the cleft of the rock, puts his hand over and goes down. And he's, when he comes back, he's like light shining. They didn't, they were like, you're still alive. And look at him, put a, put a bag over his face, a veil over his face, because we can't even stand to look at you. And they were even more so, said, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to go up there. Well, they made the golden calf, and, you know, there was a big ruckus, and he says, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites came across. And that's when the Levitical order began. Prior to that, it was the people that God wanted to have fellowship. And you see this in Matthew 21. And so what, what you need is to you see what they didn't want. They didn't want to see God face to face. Moses wanted it, even though he was going to die if he saw it. Because Moses says, you see my face, you're going to die. You know, and you know, we know that God could have raised him from the dead. But he still, there was a purpose in that. Because see, God was looking forward to the place of our day. Because Jesus died, he was the showbread, he is our purpose, and the purpose of Jesus in our life is so that we can see God face to face and visit with God face to face. You follow me? And that's, a, that's revealed in Matthew 21 and 22. There's a revelation of how we can commune and fellowship with God. Okay, so uh, we're going to look at this, Matthew 21 and 22, and we're going to go first by first. And it says, this is, this is when he's going to go down on Palm Sunday, and you'll see all the things that are going on here. Because, see, in this chapter, the transition that's being made is from Israel and the priesthood of Israel, the, the Levites, to uh, the priesthood of the believer the Gentiles. And there's this transition that's going on. And so he goes down into Jerusalem and he says, in, when they drew nigh into Jerusalem, they were come to Bethphage. Bethphage is right there at the foot of the Mount of Olives. From, here, from this point on, all, nearly all the teaching that Jesus does is from the Mount of Olives or in the temple. Right? And there's a lot of teaching. You know, the um, study, John 14 through 17. That's a teaching he taught, was teaching to his disciples. And when Matthew 24 and 25, which Matthew 25 talks about the sheep and the goats. And Matthew 24 and 25 talks about the last days and everything. This is all coming from the beginning of this right here. And he says, drew nigh to Jerusalem and come to Bethphage and to the Mount of Olives. And said, by the way, it says another, when they come... From If you look at the Mount of Olives, uh, it's on the, uh, the east coast or the eastern, east of 
Jerusalem east of the the uh, the temple. And if he was, to, and he, when he goes into the temple, he will go in through the east gate. And that's something important because the east gate, and I heard this from Chuck Smith recently, the east gate is where he's going to return someday. And he's going to put his foot on the Mount of Olives. It's going to split in two. And he's coming back for his people, the, the Jewish people. He's coming back for them. He hasn't forgotten them entirely. He's coming back for them. And he says he's going to go through the East Gate. And it's just interesting because uh, Chuck Smith pointed something out. In Matthew 24, Matthew 20, uh, not Matthew 24, excuse me, Proverbs, not Proverbs, Psalms. What a pity, I know. Psalms 22 is about the crucifixion. Read it, it's amazingly, it's just like, uh, I'm like, If I was a Jew, I couldn't read Psalm 22 without saying, Jesus the Messiah. It's about the crucifixion. Psalm 23, the Lord's shepherd, the shepherd's psalm. That's why. That's why Jesus died for the sheep, okay? Because he was the shepherd. And then Psalm 24 is about the resurrection. And one of my favorite verses, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And the angels shout back, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord, mighty and strong in battle. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the king of glory. So lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. He says that at the resurrection when he goes into heaven. But Chuck Smith says he's also gonna, it's also going to come back when he comes back to the east gate. And do you know uh, we're going to be shouting it? When it's done in Psalms 24, it's all of the the matriarchs and patriarchs that died in faith uh, that were with him, David and Abraham and Isaac. They're shouting back, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. But, uh, but when he comes back, it's going to be us. They're shouting to the east gate of Jerusalem, of the temple, and say, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and let the king of glory come in. It's really exciting how all this amazingly fits together so beautifully. So the next verse. Saying unto them, go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find, I'm going to say a donkey, okay? Find a donkey. So that way those that are not listening, won't hear that one morning, go, what, what, what? <laughs> Find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, if any man say aught to you, and shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. And this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophet, uh, saying, this, the prophet that they're talking about, is Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And we're going to look at something that you, I, I, I've never seen before until this last week. And maybe you have, but I've never seen it before. But chapter 9, we're going to look in a minute. I'll tell you when to go. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. We're going to look at 10 for the first time. I was just trying to study it in context. And so here it goes. He says, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek and sitting upon a donkey and the coat thereof. He says, and the disciples went. That's all right. No problem. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the donkey and the coat and put on them their clothes. And they began to set upon. He began to set up thereon. And it says, and a very great multitude spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried and saying, Hosanna to the Son of God. And we're going to stop with this one. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That, is, that, that, that also is prophetic. It comes from Psalm 
118, verse 25. Now, when you read that, you have to understand that translated into other translation, what the priests are going to say is Hosanna, which means, Lord, come save us. Uh, and and uh, what, this is a, the first sign, open sign to all the priests that are in the temple and all the the Pharisees and the Sadducees and uh, even the Herod's people, Herodians, thank you, Herodians uh, are there. And uh, there's lawyers there and everybody come, everybody's trying to trip him up and everything. But this is the first sign where he is going to really upset everybody because one of the first things they say to him is, do you hear what these people are saying? And that's inside the temple, by the way. And, uh, uh, well, let's, let's read on. We'll just read a little bit further. Okay. The, oh, you weren't ready? I'm sorry. No, let's go, to, let's go a little bit further here first. I want to show you something. Uh, I tripped him up. I'm sorry. See, I'm, I'm coming to trip you up, you know. Okay, and when he was come to, to, excuse me, into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this, you know? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. It says, and Jesus went to the temple of God and cast out all of them that were, so, that sold and brought them and bought and sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold dove. And he said unto them, it is written, my house, we're going to stop with this one. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, this is interesting. I mean, we we miss a lot of things that I have in my life, but I want you to hear something really special. Right. The people were already saying Hosanna, Hosanna. And if you look at how festivals were were handled they were handled with, and they were certain things. And the Psalm 118 is used more than any other Psalm in the festival. It's used in the Feast of the Passover. It's used in the Feast of the First Fruits. And it's used in the Feast of Tabernacles. And there are seven major feasts. And in three, three of those feasts, those were considered three major feasts of the seven. And it says these things were done. And there would be responsive reading and responsive singing because they would sing the Psalms and they would go back and forth. And one, and there, there, they would do Psalm 118 and the people would say something. The priest would say something. To the people. Well, the priests were the ones that said, would say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And right off, that, that's upset the priest. Do you not hear what these people are saying? Most people think, well, that's because they're praising Jesus, you know. Yes, that's part of it. But it's not just that. They're also saying things to him that the priest would say to God. Not them. And so there's that first little clue that there's a transition going on here. And so now let's go to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It says, Rejoice greatly. This is the, the uh, where it was quoting. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation lowly, that's humbly, and riding upon a donkey, and upon the colt of a foal of a, of a donkey. Now, that's one of those, we're going to, next week, we're going to start looking at the next verse where it talks about uh, the verse that is taken from, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not, but you've made it a den of thieves. That comes out of Jeremiah. But we'll look at that verse. But the next verse here says this, uh, verse 10. And I will cut off the chariot of Ephraim. I'm not sure what that means, okay? I, just be honest with you. I'm not sure. I, I'll study it. And the horse from Jerusalem and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace unto the heathens. Did you get that? My... He shall speak peace to the heathen. You see, what what the thing is, is next week we're going to look at the verse that talks about how you've made my house a den of thieves. And that's another problem. Because, see, he is talking. I said 
He does a lot of preaching at the Mount of Olives and in the temple. Eh, Yes and no, because most of his preaching is in a place of the temple that went all the way around it. And it was very large. And usually on, on a Passover week, there would be thousands of people in this area. And it's called the courts of the Gentile. And it was that the, the, they, they allowed this, that the priests and all the Jews, they didn't like that courts of the Gentile. They didn't like it, but they tolerated it because they made a lot of money uh, in the courts of the Gentiles. And they, that's where these people were selling things 10 times their, their value and uh, giving them 10 cents on the dollar as the money changers. And they were and then they were kicking back to the the, the Levites and the priests. And boy, they were just making a killing. That's why he calls them a den of thieves. All right. And so anyway, he says uh, when he goes to the courts of the Gentiles, where all the and he kicks over those money changers and he says, you my house shall be made a house of prayer. And the Levites, they didn't even regard the courts of the Gentile as the house. That was the house to get money from the Gentiles. That's what it was. That's what that was all about. Not, what do you mean my house? You got to come on into our house to be saying my house shall be a house of prayer. And from Jeremiah 711. And so he says, I, you know, he says, but I have, you've made it in a feast. And he's going to the Gentiles. Now they, and if you read Zechariah the 14th chapter, they believe from Zechariah 14, and it actually says something similar, that the Messiah was going to come back and run all the Gentiles out of Israel. But instead he's going to the Gentiles and embracing them. You see, because see, God had a plan. He was going to get rid of the Gentiles by making them his children. The Canaanites... They hated Canaanites. The, the, it said in, in Zechariah 4, he talks about the Canaanites. And he's going to come back. Messiah's going to come back. And instead of beating the money changers out of the temple, they're going to beat all the Gentiles out of the, there. Get rid of them. Instead, he's reaching out and he's saying, my house. The, the courts of the Gentiles, my house. You know, that's, what, that's where we are. That's where we are, courts of the Gentiles. And then he says, my house should be a house of prayer. Boy, they didn't like that. <laughs> this is, come on inside here where we are. You know, we're just out here to tr- get on your case. But come on inside here. And they're not doing it. It says, look, and then it says the very first, next verse. I don't know why they leave this one off. It says, he shall speak peace to the heathen. That's us. And his dominion shall be from sea to sea and from river to ever lasting the ends of the earth. That's why we have been saved to bring his glory from sea to sea, from river to the everlasting ends of the earth. You see, that's a purpose. If you don't have that purpose in your life, then I, I, and I, I speak this knowing that I have not measured up, you know, no condemnation, no damnation. There's no damnation in this. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about you have been given, you and I have been given an incredible gift. A gift that God himself does not operate under. And it's called time. And we have so much time that God has given us. And if we take this time to serve ourselves... And you have a purpose in life to be the best you ever could be, to be the top. It won't be counted in eternity. The only thing that's going to be counted in eternity is the purpose of God in your life. So when he says, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to his purpose. See, that's the person. If you are called, you know you have the calling of God on your life and you're called according to his purpose. You know, that's, that's what everything is about in your life. 
when we we're called charismatics, you know, and there's a poem, and I think it went something like this. Uh, uh, Jesus had a little lamb who's uh, whiter than snow was his fleece, and he became a charismatic and died from lack of sleep. You know what that means? You get a purpose of God in your life, and next thing you know, the Bible is the only thing that matters. His Spirit is the only thing that matters. The gifts of the Spirit, they flow because it's uh, to bring the purpose of God in your life. If you're driven by the purpose of God in your life, you'll, be, you'll flow in the gifts that God gave you. You'll flow in them. You'll excel in them. Right? Your life, and it doesn't matter if you're old and forgetful. You know, looking at, oh, it's time to go out to greener pastures. You know what greener pastures are? You get used by God more. That's greener pastures. Pastors, pastures, pastures. Amen. See, if you have the purpose of God in light, life, it affects every second of your life. That's why my sister felt like she didn't get saved till the Sunday came along. Because when she got convicted of her sin, she was, you know what the word sin means? To miss the mark. It means to miss the mark. She was convicted of all her sins of how she had missed the mark. And then the purpose of God came into her life. That's why she, that's why she felt like she got saved then. It's because now she has a purpose in life. And it isn't life, you know, uh, without God. It is life with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your holy purpose. If we see what you are doing and what you are planning in Matthew 20, any place in the Bible, but Matthew 21 and 22, uh, you reveal why we were made, why we were created. And it's little things like Hosanna being a priest unto you. That we're called, every person is called a priest of God. It's little things, but it's not little. It's not so little. It's eternal. It's pretty big. And so I pray that we would be, open our eyes to see, as as Pastor Rodney prayed, uh, open our eyes to see great revelations. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might know the hope of your calling and the purpose you have for our lives. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord, for purpose that transcends physical body, transcends mental ability, um, inclusive of everything. In Jesus' name, amen.